the USL show, also known as The View for Soccer. I gave a very pro wrestling heel turn, I'm sorry you were offended apology. The US military discussing what a Naruto run is for the Area 51 raid. I feel angry. Before we get into the interview, I just want to thank our sponsors, Beautiful Game Network, a podcast, BGN.FM, Roughneck Scarves, RoughneckScarves.com, and uh, my boy, Icarus FC, uh, IcarusFC.com as well. Uh, all wonderful, wonderful businesses uh, and and biased outlets and, and podcasts and written articles and news. Uh, drop them some support, show them some love, whether that's on Twitter or buying some merch or, or this, that, and the third. It's hard times. You know, go support your local businesses. Do all that. Uh, Alan and I had the the pleasure and the joy and the and the um, the great experience to sit down and uh, and talk to Connor Tobin, who uh, you might know as as a the current captain and, and center back for Ford Madison. Uh, he's played in pretty much every lower division league you can think of in the United States at some point or another, um, and is in fact an old man who has a lot of experience, um, which shows through a lot, I think, in this interview. A little bit of a different side from the third-person speaking turbo that uh, is portrayed on Twitter at some points, um, which I think is kind of refreshing. Um, really good to talk to Connor. He was was kind enough to give us half an hour or so. Uh, and we, I wanted to really break down how the union came to be and, and more of the, the background and some of the, the stuff that maybe hasn't been talked about a whole lot in light of, you know, uh, contract negotiations and whether or not we get a season this year and things like that. I wanted to sort of step back a little bit and take a look at how things came to be and, um, you know, a little more of the logistic side of things about the, the Players Association itself um, in that regard. So, uh, the next thing you'll probably hear is is just a straight into it with, with Connor and Alan. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you find it insightful. If you if you have any comments, questions, concerns, or other, feel free to reach out at the USL Show at Speak Evan Speak. Uh, yeah. So I'll stop talking, and then you'll hear my voice again, and it'll be the interview with Connor. So once again, thanks for uh, for Connor to hanging out and, and chatting and being open and, and graceful and very uh, thoughtful with his time. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. Connor, appreciate you sitting down talking to us. Um, I know you have talked about the current state of the Players Association and and everything going on with with the coronavirus and opening back up and and the proposals and counter proposals and this that and the third to about eight hundred different outlets, including us, multiple times over now. So I didn't necessarily want to beat a dead horse. Um. So I figured we'd talk about the USL Players Association as a whole um, in that I, I think it was started in 2018 by Bobby Warshaw and Tyler Ruffin, uh, who are names that many people will not know anymore, which is upsetting. Um, so, I mean, what's the background for the Players Association itself, and when did you and Tom and Trey sort of take the mantle? Interesting. Uh, I don't know if I've heard that version that uh, this was created by Bobby and Tyler Ruth. That was, that was the, or I guess I'll back up. I guess that was the way it was always said in our, in our circles was that it was a Bobby Warshaw and Tyler Ruthven thing. 
you might got some but it got some misinformation that's there. fair that's very fair um so i guess then set the record straight on on where this all sort of kicked off yeah so uh the uslpa kind of got its foundation i guess early 2018 um there's kind of some different groups uh talking uh groups of players that that being um with the nasl kind of falling away and usl kind of looking that is finally providing some stability to what the lower leagues were going to be. Um, I think there's a couple of groups of players talking about, Hey, this is finally the time. Um, you know, there's been a need for this for a long time going mm-hmm. back. Even, uh, I know I've talked with former teammates again, talking about me being old, but uh, talking way back in the mid two thousands of groups of players, mm-hmm. um, you know, talking, there's a, if you recall Beckham's first game was against an all-star team that was put out of the, USL League One um, up in Minneapolis, and a group of players then were even talking about the need for this. Um, anyway, uh, those groups kind of came together in early um, early 2018. Um, kind of central in that was Tommy Heineman, uh, Trey mm-hmm. Mitchell, and myself. Um, and then we put together, uh, quite frankly, a group of players that kind of gotten this to this point, and that that's our board. Mm-hmm. Which was composed of, at the time, I think, eleven of us that were across the league. Um, that group spent much of 2018 uh, building out networks um, of team reps into each locker room, communicating to each locker room. We found legal assistance. We walked through an authorization card process um, to get uh, you know players to sign off that they would have us represent them in collective bargaining. Um, went through that whole process when we felt like we had a high enough percentage of cards signed by players across the league. Uh, we actually wrote a letter asking for recognition from the league. Um, it's kind of the formal process that you go through. Um, now the league can choose to voluntarily uh, do that, or you have, can kind of go down an alternative path, which is making a formal petition to the national labor board. Mm. You know, uh, I think from the get-go, we saw ourselves as always kind of this collaborative thing, um, not necessarily coming at it uh, from an adversarial point of view. Uh, we made it very clear to the league that was our intent. Um, and big credit to the league as they gave us voluntary recognition, I guess, mm-hmm. just after Thanksgiving in 2018. So that was kind of the genesis that first year. And I, I think – Reflecting back on it, I think a lot of people have no idea how big of a lift even getting to a point of having authorization cards signed, just the logistic end of it. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it was it was a big piece um, to tackle. I mean, even knowing from legally what you have to do and communicating that to guys, getting guys to buy into that, there's, there's a lot of education that has to be done. Yeah, was there any like specific event that kind of kicked this off as like, yeah, this is a need or is it just kind of a ongoing kind of legitimacy of the USL? It gets to a point where it's like, hey, we as players need to do this. Was there like a couple big events or was it just kind of this like slow building process over the over the years to get to that point? I mean, I think it's been a slow building process. I wouldn't find that just to USL. I'd say to the lower division soccer experience, I think kind of all of the instability with leagues coming and going, teams coming mm-hmm. and going, um, obviously a wide range of player experiences is kind of all tied into the, there's an awareness piece. Um, 
it was kind of, again, getting the timing of that right. You, you needed a league that was going to be stable. Um, mm-hmm. You needed kind of the right ground. And I think USL had grown to a point where, um, you know, not only was they on a great trajectory, but they're looking to stabilize the whole thing. And because as a group, we saw an opportunity. But on the flip side of that, we also had a group of players um, and older players that kind of saw it and bought into, you know, a less adversarial vision of how to go about this. And uh, I think that was a big part of why we were successful in organizing. Mm. Yeah, and, and and that's the interesting part, it, it, not just from a labor perspective, but there's 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 so many different types of locker rooms that you were probably dealing with, and that you had your, you know, obviously you're the guy there, and you're Ford Madison, and you get to directly be in that locker room, but you have your MLS two sides, and then your you know bigger deep pocket. USL championship sides like Louisville and Phoenix. And then you have your kind of smaller markets and, you know, you and, and Tom and Trey have been around long enough where you've both been through NASL days and, and things like that. Like for, you know, the USL championship to get it first, what was it like trying to deal with those locker rooms where you might only have, you know, one guy that's in his thirties and has seen the game, you know, for 10 years in the States or, or whatever, and then it's a bunch of 19-year-olds. Like, was there a lot of different approaches that you had to take with trying to get a lot of these guys to see it for what you thought it could be? Yeah, I mean, I think you're only scratching the surface of the complexity there. Fair enough. Of the number of I mean, if we don't have, like, three hours to figure yeah. it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's a hell of a conversation. Think about the number of foreigners in the league. Right. Um, you know, you have a range of, you know, how clubs treat their uh, players that, these various clubs and all that kind of ties into this. I think the one thing that we've learned throughout this is a union or a labor force that's organized, regardless of the industry is only ever going to be as strong, strong as its communication network. And really the, the power of that communication network is really comes down to how well you educate. So foundationally that has to be your core competence. And I think, and I give a lot of credit to, you know, particularly Tommy in this is um, the communication aspect uh, we have spent uh, God knows how many hours, you know, making sure when we put something out to players or passing it along to team reps that we're, we're really explicit and making sure that, you know, in this game of telephone, the right message is ending up um, with all the players across all the locker rooms. But um, certainly there's been locker rooms that have been challenges throughout this. Um, but, you know, it's also, too, as, as a leadership group, we've we've learned and we've grown and improved upon things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, initially that was a big obstacle for us to learn how to navigate. Well, and what was part of that, too, because the MLS Players Association takes care of the loan guys, right? Like, was there any – like, that's got to be another layer of just awful trickiness for you guys because, I mean, those guys are sorted. Like, they don't really – like I imagine there was a lot of just kind of indifference towards you yeah, at I mean, the beginning. Uh, I don't know if there's indifference. There's a lot of confusion about what's what. And like, we mm-hmm. had to work through that. I mean, even from us understanding it, you know, sure. if you're going to educate someone, you've got to get a really good grip on it yourself. So we had to do a lot of digging and we were very deliberate about walking that process. And mm-hmm. the fact that I don't think we um, – I mean, obviously, we didn't get voluntary recognition until November, and this is something that we started end of January. Hmm. I think it speaks to how methodical um, 
we were about it because I think we really felt that we, we had to walk through this the right way and we had to go at a pace that wasn't too fast. Um, so it really gave time for people to, to understand our message, to be educated on what does this mean? What does this look like? We spent an inordinate amount of time educating our team reps, but even when we went to the locker rooms, it wasn't like here, you sign this card. It was, there was multiple meetings of, Hey, what is the union? How do unions function? Um, how do you go about forming a union? There was a, lo- a lot of work that we did to try to make sure, you know, uh, whoever you were in that, whatever locker room that you had some level of understanding of what you're getting yourself into. Were you able to use kind of the MLS players association, and other PAs to kind of base some of those decisions off of like, was there a big influence there or were you truly trying to find that unique voice for the USL PA um, and kind of develop based on where your where the players were and where you guys were as a, as a built. Probably a combination of both those. Um, we've been lucky enough that, the MLSPA and particularly Bob Foose and Johnny Anders were, were open to having conversations and, um, you know, kind of providing some of their experiences along the way that it certainly helped. Um, but I think realistically speaking, we're dealing with an entirely different uh, a league, um, entirely different set of circumstances. So we're going to have to be unique in what we do. But even then, you know, from the outside looking in, um, the fact that there's a bunch of players running it, maybe there are certain things we have a little bit different ethos of how we want to do things. Um, and I think it it's reflected in kind of how we set ourselves up. And even to the fact we've gotten to this point, you know, being entirely independent, uh, being entirely volunteer based to this mm-hmm. point, uh, I think speaks a lot to the vision that, uh, you know, kind of united again, that, that board, it wasn't, um, that, hey, this is going to be something that immediately is going to change. It was, guys are bought into, like, this is a legacy thing, and this is moving the sport forward in this country, and it's really going to be something that's going to improve not just the league, but the teams, the players. Um, it was going to be something that we could all look back on and say, hey, we left it better for the next generation. Yeah, and, and, and that's interesting, too, because, you know, uh, man, I really love talking about how old you are, but you're getting up there. You know, Tom's retired, Trey's out of out of contract. Um, is there an importance to you or the, the board right now to try to get that next group of guys really, you know, fired up about it and passionate about it and for you to maybe be able to be more board members and not necessarily have to focus on, you know, trying to play matches and things like that? Or what's sort of the the next step or what's the next vision for maybe getting it from a, this is a legacy thing. We're doing this for the next generation to finding some of those guys where it's, we're going to get this done while we're still in our prime. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the discussions that we have and we have a you know great group of leadership that, you know, we have some really good discussions about sustainability, about, mm-hmm. you know, what is the pace of change both, you know, as far as what's realistic for the league and what gets players to a better situation, lead to a better situation. But that's also internally too. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still infantile as an organization. We're still kind of getting up to our knees. We're not even talking about walking yet. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the current set of circumstances has kind of shifted things a little bit, maybe accelerated that timeline in some ways. Um, you know, that, that comes with a lot of challenges, but, uh, you know, Challenge only becomes an opportunity when you stop trying to find solutions. So one of the, the, the most rewarding things, honestly, in the last 
you know, bid is we felt we've had to really double down on our communication directly to players. Mm-hmm. And it has been for me inspiring um, interacting with some of our younger locker rooms and seeing the level of engagement and having guys kind of have that moment of, Oh, wow. I didn't even think about it like this. Like, and then all of a sudden they have a day or two to reflect on it and they're asking unbelievable questions. Um, but you talk about developing the next, you know, group of leaders that are going to carry this thing. I mean, it's been fun because you can see it happening in front of our eyes. Mm. Mm. Is there anything that made it more difficult trying to deal? Because there seems to be like a three-headed like monster, if you will. You got players, you got owners, and you got who you're bargaining with. Like as you're building these foundations, is there something unique in that bargaining sense that you had to think about uh, as you approached, you know, the voluntary recognition, and then as you move forward, what was in your brain, in your mind to make sure that you were balancing those three kind of individual um, players in the game, if you will? Yeah, I think for me personally, it's always come back to uh, the more stability that's in the lower leagues, uh, the better it's going to be for the game in this country. Uh, for a long time, uh, you know, U.S. soccer in general, but then lower division soccer especially, because of the amount of change and things coming and going and kind of shifting sands, it's really kind of held back per- the progression of the game at the professional level. Um, so I think in like the approach that we've taken, it's always been, how do we make this as collaborative as possible? So that way uh, we get more pod- parties bought in. If there's more parties bought in, you're more likely to create something that is uh, stable and sustainable and can grow. Um, so I think that's always been kind of a driving ethos for us is how do we do this in the most collaborative manner possible? Um, and not just approaches, hey, this is purely what's best for the group of players. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, we care about what's best for the group of players, but we've got to consider ourselves within this greater context. And I think that's something that, you know, a credit to a lot of people that are involved in this organization at a lot of different levels. There's a lot of guys that understand that. Hmm. And, you know, you, you talked about earlier how it was mostly volunteer-based, very much sort of trying to figure out what you can and can't do Um, you know, maybe not being as outgoing or or maybe outwardly social about, about things for, for one reason or another, as far as to the, the general public. Now there seems to be, again, for reasons that I don't think anyone would have expected, um, when you put together the CBA, maybe in January or, or, you know, tried to bargain in January, now there's a lot more focus on things. And it seems like, you know, by and large, or at least there's a, there's a good chunk of people that are supporting your cause and the players and, and having the backs of the guys that are, that are on the field. Um, was there kind of a collective exhale and like kind of a, a sigh of relief and going, all right, we're, we're on to something here when the, the outpouring and the stand with the players hashtags and things like that started coming into you guys? Um, yeah, I mean, a couple of things. One, we're still volunteer based. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, validation is probably the wrong word. I think that this group's always kind of uh, kind of felt um, a unified vision of how to do this. And mm-hmm. Even though there's probably been you know certain people publicly that have wanted to see more of what the union's doing, or you know, it's kind of been these dead periods. 
I don't think internally we've ever felt pressure from that. Hmm. I think because we've had a group of players with such vast experience operating the lower levels, I think uh, there's been a real belief in how we're going about this, that this is the right way to do it. Um, And we haven't been too concerned, honestly, with um, what some people who may not intimately understand the labor side of things or may not intimately understand the ecosystem side of things or the player experience side of things. We haven't been too concerned about that. Um, I say that not to minimize um, the fact that, hey, the outpouring of support for staying with the players, I mean, it's certainly been – um, positive and I think guys reacted positively to it I think it's been great to, for particularly uh, a lot of the players in the locker room to see that the communities in which we uh, play and you know try to do our part in building that they're willing to reciprocate that I think that's been really powerful but I think as an organization I, I, I wouldn't say that it's greatly altered um, how we perceive that if that makes sense yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, level with me. It's got to be nice not having, like, a club communications person telling you that you have to respond to something. Um, <laughs> I mean, I tweeted in the third person, and so I feel like all these guys throughout my entire career have probably not wanted me to do that, but... That's fair. I've never yeah. felt that pressure. I mean, good on you, really. You know, none of us are doing anything off of this either, so it works out. <laughs> Amazing, an inside joke can just go way too long, and then you get stuck with it. Did you have a sense of that kind of support from the soccer community, kind of before you put out some of the uh, on the social media, the players' response? Was there a sense of where the community re- might respond, or was it more of a we need to educate? the community and hopefully they're with us on this. Was there a sense that there would be that kind of positive reaction or was it just a pure, like purely we need to do this as an organization to help educate? Probably a combination. I think people that are you know truly diehard and really, really, you know, get behind their local teams and really follow it. Probably have some sense of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, more casual fans in the USL, probably not. So I think to answer your question, it's probably some combination of both of those. I mean, you talk to enough soccer people, and I think there's a lot well, of people. We're all insane. What's that? <laughs> we're, we're all crazy. Uh, not every, not all of us. No, no, it's okay. We we are. <laughs> I know it. I'm not afraid to admit it, Connor. It's okay. I, you know, like this is a hobby for me. That's wild. I, mean, I, I do think that's something that unifies, you know, particularly supporters of lower division clubs and players. Okay. Um, for most of us, this is a passion. Um, yeah. Well, and it's it's an access thing too, right? Like if you were in if you were in MLS, I don't think you'd be you know doing beers with the supporters group after games that frequently out of a flamingo, nonetheless. Uh, I might. Maybe, hurt, all right. But well, I, mean, I don't, don't know how long that I mean, Maybe that's why I never got to that league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. I think this league, you get a lot of guys that, you know, they truly care about the sport. They're doing it because they love it. So I think there's maybe sometimes some, uh, down to earth is the wrong word, but more of a self-awareness about what this is and our role um, in helping to build it. And I think that's particularly 
you know, tied into the USLPA and the fact that, you know, we've kind of gotten this to this point being self-driven. Sure. Um, and we will leave you alone after this, but I'd love to know if there are any sort of like, here are our core pillars that people should know as far as, you know, things that we're trying to get for our guys. And then if there's just anything that you're like, why hasn't anyone asked me this yet? I want to talk about this. <laughs> then, you know, there's your, there's your chance. Oh, I mean, that's way too open of a question. I don't know where to take that. Um, <laughs> that's fair. You know, okay. I, in relation to the, the players association. <laughs> no, I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff that, uh, there's some really interesting stuff when you start getting into labor law. Um, mm. Getting into it, I had no idea. Um, mm. you know, I'd be lying if I said, you know, over the last couple of years, I haven't seen, you know, various things put out by people that you kind of read and you're like, oh, if they only had an idea of like legally how to go mm. about what the process looks like. That mm. This is so far off base. Um, so I think there's some things like that, but you don't really ever know until you're amongst that you know I, I going back to kind of hey what are the core pillars i think one of the things that uh you know, as a group of players we're always trying to find a balance of is we, we want uh, you no know, two ways about it we, we want a better playing experience for players in this league um those are things that from the get-go we've recognized and we've wanted to get to it sometimes you know some of those get tied up in a pace of change question um mm-hmm. because if you evolve something again, we get back to that destabilization uh, conversation, and that's not positive. Um, so there's some of that wrapped in it, and then there's also, I guess, the other side of that tension is we want to make sure we're leaving this in a better spot for that future group. So you're always dealing with this fundamental tension with the here and now, but also where is this going? Um, and I would say, you know, for this organization, we've really tried um, to balance that by using a guiding question for us, like what is best for the sport? Because if it's going to be best for the sport, um, usually that's going to find a pretty good balance in those um, because you need the current people that are growing the sport to be uh, taken care of and to make it attractive for the next generation of players that want to get involved um, and aspire to be at this level. Um, at the same time, if you're doing what's best for the sport, you're also doing it in a way that continues to grow the league, continues to grow these clubs um, and puts them in a position that future revenues are higher. Future revenues are higher. It's going to behoove players. Um, so I think that question's always been front and center. Now, the answers to those are not always easy to get to. Sometimes it's a feel thing, but uh, I would say that's one of the things that, um, quite frankly, we're lucky that we have uh, a group of players that we do because I think we have a bunch of guys with a ton of experience that are cerebral, that think about these sorts of things and really try to do what's right uh, for the entire ecosystem. Connor, man, we, uh, we really appreciate your time. Uh, you know, obviously you have a little bit more of it now, but nonetheless, uh, <laughs> less than it. well, that's fair. I mean, you know, to, to each their own, but uh, no, I mean, I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and chatting with us about sort of the, the nitty gritty as much as, as you can with the with the players union and filling in some gaps because i i clearly don't know what i'm talking about which i'm fine with 
Uh, I never said I did, but I, I really, it really does mean a lot for you to, to come on and, and, and talk to us as you are normally graceful with your time. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Take care, my friend. <laughs>